it is it is now recording okay we are now we are now doing the recording thing so now now we got to do a show i i guess we can we can do said show all right Uh, um has the irc not been full frame it's been full frame Full frame. Hey Chase, could you? Hey Chase, could you make sure the? Uh, hey there. Uh, hey Chase. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. We just got a note here from uh, production, and they're yes. just. Uh, yes, hey, hey Chase. Yes. Production. They're just wondering if maybe you could check on the uh, IRC frame, and also. Yes. They're wondering why you haven't fixed it already. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Why didn't you catch this sooner uh, before we went on air? There, uh, what's that? Oh, uh, I, I'm sorry. Also, I'm sorry. Does it look? A, oh, I'm sorry. Does it look too uh, good? Does it look too good? <laughs> Is the production value too high? I apologize. I'm not going to dignify that with an answer. Exactly. All right. Well, neither am I. All right. Uh, wait, by the way, I, I need to cheat again. Uh, this is, what is this? Episode 287? Okay. 287. All right. Here we go. And it begins in a three, in a two, and a one. Hold on. <laughs> we may need some faith healers. <laughs> uh, sorry. I was, uh, I had the on the wrong thing. Okay. Here we go. They're going to take this from That's the top. That's what she said. <laughs> Actually, I needed to turn up the volume. Oh. Forgot to do that. All right. Here we go. Uh, this is episode 287 of the Unfiltered Program. It begins in three, two, one. This is Unfiltered, episode 287, recorded on Wednesday, July 18th, 2018. That's right. It's a special intro. And once again, it's time for Unfiltered Roadshow Edition, episode 287, coming to you here on Wednesday, July 18th. And I'm Chase, and I think you will hear the other voice coming from a distant, far-off land. I think the land of the Midwest somewhere. I think it's hot and warm. Chris Fisher! Chris, what's up, buddy? (laughs) Hey, buddy. Oh, you know, just hanging out in 106-degree weather. Uh, roasting and uh, podcasting. I, I, I was going to try to rhyme that, but I couldn't come up with anything. Sorry, I put no effort into my intro. Well, well, you know, that's the only thing that... If, if that's the only thing you've put no effort yeah. into, I think that's a positive. You know what? I promise to make it up for the rest of the show. I mean, when when we just had Peter Strzok doing his testimony, we had plenty of show, and that was before <laughs> the Trump-Putin summit, yes. uh, the indictments of uh, Bob's Dozen, yes. and of course, a high note as always. This is a packed roadshow edition. So, buddy, thanks for taking the uh, reins at your studio there back in Washington, so that way, That's right. even though I'm on the road, we can do a video version of the show. So I'm on the remote connection this week and Chase is there running the board, playing the clips. That's right. Live so. from the Geek Gamer TV studios, which, which by the way, you know, patrons, we, we love you guys. And, and I will, I personally want to say here at the top of the show, and I know we, we uh, give them all the love usually in the overtime. Who? 
the patrons. Patrons, you know, the patrons Jeez. over at Patreon.com/slash Unfilter, the ones that uh, heard your call. Uh, you mean come the show up. isn't sponsored by GoDaddy? I thought. I thought. No, no, thought, no, no, no. That's gonna... that's that's that other like Linux type show. I I don't know. I mean, I oh. I don't know. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm on a Mac right oh, okay. now, but but anyway, <laughs> and PC. But yes, thank you for all the patrons. You know, a lot of you guys said, hey. You know, what happened to video last week? And, you know, and we wanted to bring you guys a show so, like, crucially, like, you know, we wanted to make sure we brought you one. And then we're like, where's the video? And so it's like, hey, we can do this. We'll do it. And here we are, video roadshow edition. Never happy. Those pages. <laughs> Never happy. No, I tease. I tease. <laughs> they're always making us set the bar high, buddy. No, That's they're great. Good. They're awesome. So <clears throat> everything has a bit of a theme this week, even our cyber segment. So let's kick things off with the cyber. Um, Intel chief Dan Coates sat down for some testimony and said the cyber is worse than it's ever been. And Russia is the most aggressive of the cyber offenders. The director of national intelligence, Dan Coates, warned yesterday of the intensifying threat of cyber attacks against the U.S. He called Russia the most aggressive offender. Tonight, Elizabeth Palmer shows us what's being done to crack down on foreign cyber invaders. If you don't like what your critics say, insult them. Ben Nimmo is a cyber investigator for the D.C.-based Atlantic Council. Who here has been insulted by the Russian propaganda machine already? With the U.S. midterms approaching, he's teaching these activists and social media experts how to detect and expose Russian disinformation online. Okay, let's pause there. Okay. So the, that organization that he's from, the Atlantic organization, is a very, very strong uh, trade organization that really is all about trading between the U.S. and Europe and really squeezing Russia out. That's that's one of their biggest focuses in life. So it's um, it's that's an interesting pick to then go lead this summit. And so everybody there has been abused by the Russian propaganda machine. And uh, this is setting us up to understand that Russia is the biggest cyber aggressor out there. I, but I was going to say, this This feels like a, a weird kind of like get together. Yeah, I, like I, a specifically I targeted like to towards one country. I would yeah. like to say, are we all in agreement, Every all of the quote unquote stakeholders and observers, are we all in agreement that trolling somebody on Twitter is a cyber attack? And are we all comfortable with saying that spam email and phishing emails or cyber attacks. It's a slippery because, slope, as they say. Yeah, man. That's like that's like next step up is cookies. Like cookies that uh, track where you go are a cyber attack. Um, you know, people that monitor you on Facebook and watch the shit that you publicly post are now cyber stalkers. And they are people like like, like a supposedly intelligence agencies that are scooping all this up. And it's all cyber spying all of a sudden. Right. It's like things are really getting amped up. And if you listen to the dialogue these people are having, the issues they're talking about. See, when I think of a cyber attack, I think of somebody who owns a box on my network and then island hops around my network and gets rude access and starts collecting information and extracting data. That's an data. attack. Absolutely. That's but, a I mean, cyber attack. Now, but, but to be fair, I mean, I, I believe, though, like trolling can go over a line like you know you and i and we've seen people lightly troll us all the time you know in comments or feedback and that sort of thing but if you're like getting constantly harassed and like you're like to the level of like actually feeling fearful so i call that cyber harassment yeah cyber bullying yeah that's call true. that Not, whatever yeah, but uh you're right but yeah. cyber attack cyber it's yeah i agree yeah 
I agree yeah. with that. All right. Continue on. Continuing. Sir. These activists and social media experts how to detect and expose Russian disinformation online. Could be that he's been partially modified, but... We know that elections are always a big, juicy target. The aim is to head off the kind of Russian meddling that tainted America's 2016 presidential campaign. But with the midterm primaries already underway, Nimmo agrees with U.S. intelligence that Russian trolls and bots, those are automated fake accounts, are preparing a flood of toxic and divisive disinformation aimed right. squ- now that I actually believe, I mean, but it's not oh, just sure. Russia. Sure, yeah. I mean, a lot of sure. competing oh, yeah. factions, yeah, yeah. but yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, of course, China, I bet, uh, different interest groups within the U.S., you know, crazy sons of bitches within the U.S. that are doing this. And it'll all be completely ineffective and a waste of their money. Just like all of the ads that Russia bought or, you know, groups connected with Russia bought on Facebook starting back in 2014, 2015, and then into the election. In fact, if you look at what the investigators found, they stopped buying ads towards the, the later run of the presidential campaign. In fact, they've been buying more ads post-election than they were during the latter half summer area of the election. They bought more ads leading up to the election about divisive topics yeah. and not about presidential candidates than right. they did during the actual election. And they got no traction. Their accounts have no followers. They had very little engagement. They've spent pennies in comparison to what other candidates spent. And it did really, by all accounts, no moving of any needle. You can you can point to crazy memes and pictures and stupid ads that rile up racial issues, but you cannot point to any conclusive evidence that shows it had any effectiveness at all. And right. the reality is, as somebody who's bought ads and experimented with ads on Facebook for years and haven't done it for about six, seven months, I can tell you that the numbers you do get are inflated. Yeah. You know, if you have like a video ad, if, if you're scrolling through your Facebook feed and that video plays, even if it's just for a few seconds with the audio muted, they count that as, as, a, as an ad view. Like these numbers are super unreliable because they're within the platform's best interest, in this case Facebook, to make them look good to the people buying ads. But they're not really all that effective. We all know that. Anybody that's been on the internet for a while knows that. We know these ads suck. All of these targeted ads, they suck, regardless of the millions of dollars these companies spend to build these systems. They suck. Yeah, no, and well, I, I, I don't, I don't buy for a moment that this toxic information that these bots are preparing to automatically unleash on the internet is going to have, is going to make a hill of a beans different. It's not going to have any impact at all. Well, I don't know. It's if not it, a cyber attack. Yeah, it's, well, it's I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say zero. Impact. I wouldn't say absolutely zero impact. I, I think there'll okay, be like the right. annoyance impact, and then there'll be, you know, the echo chamber impact, if you will. But yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I wouldn't. I, mean, I wouldn't say probably total. zero impact is not fair. You may affect, you know, a couple yeah. hundred thousand people. Yeah. You may influence a couple hundred thousand people a little bit in the way they think. But it, but, but it really, does for most. But ahead. it, but it, but it can, you know, offer, you know, inflammatory and 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 you know, kind of keep sometimes keep the machine rolling. If that if that makes any sense, like sometimes it, you know, someone can take a meme or they can take an ad and they and they take something and it just helps keeps things stirred yeah, up. You, that's what I was just going to that's what I was going to say. I was just going to yeah. say a little differently. What, a lot of what this stuff does is sell it serves people's confirmation bias machine. Yeah. People that yeah. are out there looking for stuff that reaffirms what they already believe. And I think that's where this stuff has a more effective role. But these are people that are already lost causes. <laughs> <Let's be honest. laughs> yeah, true. All right. A little more. All right. Uh, yeah, a little more. Squarely at U.S. voters. You'll see 
lots of push on gun control, on immigration, race relations. All the hot issues. All all the hot issues. Um, Supreme Court now, I would expect to see attacks. We agreed not to reveal where Ben Nimmo lives and works because hunting down Russian hackers and trolls is dangerous business and he has received death threats. And it got quite vicious. This, they this even year, sent a fake obituary to all his contacts. Created. They've tweeted the message that I'm dead. And it's a- Social. All right, that's messed up, man. I'm sorry, but I mean, just the paperwork that you have to yeah. do to clear that stuff up. But no, yeah, seriously, not, but seriously, not, that's, not cool. not that's not stuff. cool. That's not cool. Media giant. Yeah, not good. And it's like Facebook and Twitter are trying to shut down Russian look, fake accounts, really too. There it's called Rachel Newman. Yeah. And that one's called Jessica Bauer. And so is U.S. intelligence, but they are simply overwhelmed. Concrete proof? Nimmo has just exposed a huge Russian bot network lurking online. So well disguised and pushing porn, it even fooled Twitter's new filters. All it would take is a single call from the Kremlin to sick it on. It's so good, it even fooled Twitter. Okay, so uh, I, I, the one thing that I have to, I have to just mention is... Um, Bots are not anything more than scriptable actions that you really have, like automated scripts, really. Think about it. I mean, I'm trying to make it sound as simple as possible because these are not advanced thinking, moving. Uh, at best, they take remote commands uh, and they can do limited tasks. And a, a bot is, is, is the, the way they're using a bot, you I mean, it's a rough definition of the term. Like, it's the way Slack uses a bot, where if I make a new Google Doc, it autom- a bot, a Google Docs bot in Slack, automatically grabs that URL and uh, pastes that URL into a dedicated chat room of all yeah. of the Google Docs that have been created. That is technically a bot. Really, it's just automating an action. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about taking... Uh, a picture of some tits and automatically posting it on Twitter. If, it, but it sounds way more sophisticated if you call it a bot, and then you call the bunch of them doing it a botnet. Then all of a sudden we have a sophisticated software operation that's using automated thinkers in the web. But that's not what we have here. You have one piece of software using an API to talk to another piece of software. Yep. That's You're what's right. happening. Yeah. So the the it's it. I agree. It's bad. It's abusive. It's bullying. If you even want to label it that way, it's not a sophisticated cyber attack, though. That that's not what we're dealing with. No, here. no, not not to that kind of high level. No, not here. Not not when you're dealing with Twitter and in an Instagram and you know the. I mean the, that seems like child's playing comparison to some of the bigger stuff we've talked about in this. Is segment. there much more on this clip? Uh, no, not really. I mean, there's about 10 seconds if you want me to finish it off. Yeah, yeah. No, All right, fair no. enough. All right. All right I know I, there's a Peter I want to talk about, though. Yeah, I do want to talk about Peter. Man, were we waiting for Peter? So <laughs> oh, he Peter. Is the F- he's the FBI agent who is involved in investigating Hillary Clinton's email. He was involved and in beginning to involve be involved with investigating Russia collusion. He was on Bob's team until he got removed for bias. And it is a it was a massive story. If he was going to show up, it will he show up? We talked about it a little bit last week. Well, he showed up and what a shit show it was. So let's let's frame it a little bit. Let's play a couple of minutes here. Maybe not even that much. Let's play a few here from this Wolf Blitzer clip where they sort of give us the context of this hearing. Let's go to the sit room. The texts between 
between uh, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, they are so damning. They, they are, Wolf, which is why... What Gloria is laying out here, yes, that, that is Strzok's mission today, is try to walk this line of, I have personal political views, it didn't impact my work at all. That may be true, but when he says that those texts, quote, not indicative of bias, that's just flat wrong on its face. It is indicative right, of there. bias. I understand yeah. his point is, well, that he makes the case, and I think he's right. I think his assessment there is right, and we can, we can move on from that. All right. uh, he is, what he's essentially saying is that Peter Strzok's mission was to convince the world that he wasn't biased, that somehow those text messages between him and his lover uh, didn't show bias. And that was the first thing that Trey Gowdy tried to go after him for, and it was abrupt and in his face. It was full Gowdy mode. Your testimony is Bob Mueller did not kick you off because of the content of your text. He kicked you off because of some appearance that he was worried about. Sure. My testimony, what you asked and what I responded to was that he kicked me off because of my bias. I'm stating to you it is not my understanding that he kicked me off because of any bias, that it was done based on the appearance. If you want to represent what you said accurately, I'm happy to answer that question, but I don't appreciate what was originally said being changed. I don't give a damn what you appreciate, Agent Strzok. Oh, I appreciate having an FBI agent. I love agent that line. That was my favorite line. I know. I mean, I, I agree. I don't give a damn what you appreciate. I, I don't care. Yeah, you know, you know, obviously. Here, I, I, wanna, I know yeah. you want to defend this guy, but let me, before you do it, just say this. <laughs> this guy is an FBI agent. Yes. And he has tarnished the reputation. I mean, it's not that I held the FBI in super high regard, but what this guy did was came out and confirmed a lot of my biases about the FBI, that they're political hacks, right. that are trying to make political moves inside, that they're incompetent, they're having affairs with each other. Like, it is really bad, as your buddy Obama says, optics for that entire department. And then when you combine, on top of that, the shit show and leaker that was James Comey and tarmac meeting loretta loretta lynch if i can get these words out tarmac meeting loretta lynch with bill clinton who was completely biased in the investigation like when you add all of that together it casts so much doubt over the justice department and the fbi minions that this is shameful what he has exposed is shameful and everyone even tangentially related in the fbi should be fired because it's bad optics and it doesn't look good for what is supposed to be the center of our justice system. So you, I, I think when you hear Gowdy upset, remember that before he sat here, he was a prosecutor. And he has been recently on record saying that he, he, his, the most important thing he did in his life was work for the legal system. And the hardest thing he's done is be a politician. He has a great respect for the legal system. And I think he is offended because he is from that system. He is offended by the damage he's done. So I think that's where Gowdy's coming from. So so first off, I'm not trying to defend anybody here. I just try to look at all the potential different angles. Now, I will say that I agree with the majority of what you say there. Uh, obviously, you know, Peter, while he was making a private text message to his, you know, uh, what would you call it? His muse, his adulteress lover. or lover or whatever. But I do feel like you got to give some context right. to that. You know, and, you, you know, maybe you put on a brave right. face, that kind of right. stuff. And, you know, it's one of those situations where, you know, I'm inclined to believe and give him a shot, a little shadow of a doubt that, yeah, he was having a private conversation. But that being said, he should know more than anybody that when you're involved in a such a high profile investigation Every little thing 
will be not only magnified and analyzed, yeah. but you have to especially at this day and age. Right. And even if you say, you know, hey, I am not biased. And, you know, let's say you are being 100 percent truthful and you are laying it all out there that, you know, hey, I'm 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 venting to my lover. But, you know, the, you know, I can keep those opinions separate and that sort of thing. It's all about optics. And when you go yeah. out there and that's why Mueller removed him immediately. Because he you know, know because that's he knows. Why, that's Gowdy's point here. Gowdy's yeah. point is, is Mueller says there's bias. You know, but the other thing too is just a couple of bit, one bit of irony. The reason we even have these text messages to begin with is because they were not on his personal phone. He was given the privilege of going through his personal phone and deciding which ones should be handed over to the FBI and doing it on his own volition. These ones he didn't have any choice to hand over. Because they messaged on their work systems because they were trying to keep it from their spouses who they were both cheating on. <laughs> so if they weren't cheaters, they wouldn't have had to been messaging on their work systems and we wouldn't have all of these transcripts. Right. So uh, Gowdy is getting on his case here because Peter struck the entire time he's here, just like CNN setup said, is he's trying to say he wasn't biased. He's trying to say... I hated this man. I was trying to create an insurance policy. I said him winning the presidency would be a disaster for the country. I said all those things, but they don't affect my thought process. That's the case he's trying to make, and Gowdy isn't having it. Right. Let's continue on. More Gowdy mode activated. Level of animus working on two major investigations during 2016. In addition to disappointing the hell out of my Democrat colleagues... That someone who was investigating Russian collusion didn't think there was any there there... Why would you be concerned? Why would you not be ecstatic that there was no collusion? Why the word concern? Sir, I, I don't know what I'm in. All right, that was more of the fireworks at today. Right, pause there. So, Relectrant in the chat room is asking a story, and I want to play a, like a mental game here for a moment. We're done with that clip. All right. Um, I want to play a mental game just as an exercise. Uh, what if these were not lovers at all? What if Peter Strzok and Lisa Page were not lovers? And in fact, if you look at the transcripts, there's nothing in there about like, oh, I miss your dick or, oh, I love you or, uh, you no, know. No, they did no, those no. over phone calls, actually. So the so what if just does it change your perception if they're not lovers at all? If the lovers thing, as Reluctant in the chat room is suggesting, are cover stories to, to lessen the blow of this. And in fact, they were an FBI lawyer and an FBI, a high-level FBI agent conspiring together because and the reason why i bring that up is there is a text message where they talk about openly discussing creating an insurance policy a policy against trump winning in somebody else's office in another f high level fbi person's office and the, the language at least page uses i like that idea you threw out in so-and-so's office as in multiple people were sitting in a room talking about this and that's in the transcript. Yeah. So you got to. So if you if you remove this cover story, which there's not a lot of evidence that they're actually lovers, if you remove that cover story, then all of a sudden it's much more damning. Like it's holy shit. These are two plotting FBI agents, probably more. Plus you got Comey leaking constantly. This is really looking bad now. Like I hope they are lovers because that then at least gives you context where Peter is maybe trying to be a tough guy, but. It's almost a little misogynist for us all to assume that they must be lovers because she's a woman and he's a man. 
and it, and the misogynist in all of us, like I think there's a I think there's an inherent bias where we just go speaking of bias. I think this is exactly how bias works. That's why I like talking about this. This there's a bias where we go, oh, yeah, of course. She's kind of good looking. He's going to fuck. Yeah, that's how these things work. <laughs> but in reality, she could be a strong, independent woman who had no interest in his dick at all, but didn't want Trump to win. But when this story starts coming out to mitigate the level of outrage and damage that would be done to the FBI's reputation, you spin it with the lover story. And and that's where that's where, you know, I'm I'm having issue because I feel like there's not a lot of. Well, first off, there's a lot of conjecture, right? And a lot of, well, if you go down the path to say, hey, if they're not lovers, there's a lot of pieces that fit that puzzle, right? And, well, if they are lovers, there's a plausible explanation, right? And so— But it does suggest they're deceptive liars, too. Uh, right. It, well, and, and, and that's what I was going to say is it, either way, either way, you know, it's it's hard to say, well, I'm going to trust you even though you're, you're, you're breaking trust in other areas, right? You know, relationships— yeah. Uh, you know, families, you know, things Which like a, that. That's a that's kind of a I mean, I feel like kind of shitty for saying that because it's kind of like it's maybe, you know, everybody has their own situation. But right. uh, Gomer kind of made a, a play for that. Uh, oh. Didn't go over super well. Yeah. But, uh, and, I, and I yeah, I know where you're going. But yeah, we'll we'll play it and then we'll talk. Yeah. And you have come in here and said, I have no bias. And you do it with a straight face. And I watched you in the in the private testimony you gave. And I told some of the other guys, he is really good. He's lying. He knows. We know he's lying. And he could probably pass the polygraph. Point. It's amazing. Mr. Chairman. No, this is my Mr. Time. Chairman, I'm and sorry. I, point of order. This point, point of order. No. The general state is point of order. A member of this committee just <laughs> asserted that this witness who is under oath and a former agent of the FBI lied. There is no evidence that I ask him to withdraw it. I do not withdraw it. He is not a member of Congress. It's not a violation of the rule. And just as you have been expressing bias through your members about what a hero there is not a single person on this committee who has ever characterized a witness. Gentleman from Rhode Island. Gentlemen, that's a gentleman from Rhode Island will suspend. No, No, you'll suspend. (laughs) Isn't that a shit show? You know what? I, I was watching this live. Yeah, uh, it yeah. was it was on in the background, and I kept going back to it. I'm just like, no wonder why everybody hates Congress. I, I think it might have been— Nobody was trying to get to the truth, really. They're all trying to fight for their tribe. Right, and you know, I uh, I maybe it was you and I were talking about this because yeah. I think we were kind of yeah. keeping an eye on us during We this. were chatting live while it was going. And <laughs> I mean, it's like, no wonder why Congress has a 20% approval rating. Uh, no wonder—everybody wants to win points for their side— and honestly, all I want, and I think what everybody wants, is just truth. You know, the, it's like, come the, on. Did, did you hear the dig in there about the polygraph thing? Yeah, he'll probably, yeah, yeah. Yeah, did you catch the part of the testimony where they talk about him? So there's this, uh, I think it was Ohio, I can't remember, where, I should have grabbed the clip of it now that I think about it, but <clears throat> there's a senator, might have been Idaho, I, I really, I'm, I apologize, I, I didn't plan on talking about this, but uh He's been following this polygraph thing now for three hearings or so. I've been watching him ask the different people involved different questions about this polygraph situation. And Peter Strzok had a polygraph where he was um, – I forget the exact term they use, but it's essentially it's like out of bounds. It's um, it's like – it's not like a full fail, but you had some anomalous readings that we would consider a fail, but you're a really important person. So we're, what we do is we say you're out of bounds, but you can take another polygraph, and if you pass that one, you'll be okay. 
Um, and he did. So he failed and then took another one and passed. Now, the irony is the moment he fails, he should have been pulled out of the Mueller investigation. And if he would have gotten pulled because of the failure back in January, none of this would have come to light either. None of this would have been an issue. He wouldn't have gotten on the team. He wouldn't have gotten kicked off. The text messages wouldn't have come out. Right. None of that would have happened if they would have followed their own procedures when he went out of bounds on the polygraph. But the way the system works is like you're supposed to have your credentials revoked, but you can stay in, but you just don't get classified credentials. Right. It's a, it's he, a you, you get knocked down to another level, basically. Yeah. And yeah. But what he did instead is he took another polygraph and he passed that one. So when Gomer says you can lie and pass a polygraph, that's what he's referring to. It's like a little inside reference there. Now, I do want to play a piece that's going to get us pulled off of YouTube. <laughs> uh, but this is just a great moment where you and I were going like, wow, this is really the moment where I realized nobody wants anybody to win. They all just want to fight. And there is a theme. Like when the Republican side of the uh, questioners would start to kind of get to something that would maybe be a little questionable and kind of throw Peter off his game, he generally had a Democrat swoop in and sort of block the whole thing with some sort of procedure, some sort of parliamentary procedure. Here's some highlights of that. All right. You are under subpoena and are required to answer the question. Are you objecting to the question? If so, please Mr. state your objection. Mr. Chairman, I object. The, the gentleman <laughs> it does not have standing Mr. to object. Chair, I, there is no point, point of order. No point of order well, here. Good morning. So the hearing turned into a big shouting point match. Of Do order. you understand that? Point of order, Mr. Chairman. The question is directed to the witness. And I have a point of order before he answers the question. The, the, the point of order is not well taken until... You don't know what the point of order is. You can't say it's not well the, taken. The point of order, <laughs> the, the, the witness will... By the way, uh, notice Mr. Goodlotty here. They don't even look at each other. They're sitting next to each other, right? So awkward, man. But they're not even looking at each other. It's like, it's like, um, have you ever, I mean, you got kids, man. So, I mean, you ever had a situation where maybe one of your kids was yelling, but they don't yell at you directly. Like they're yelling, but not. It's actually, it's, it's more like that than you know, because yeah. later on, like I think in this clip too, if you watch, like when other people are talking, they're leaning over and whispering to each other. They're yeah. whispering back and forth to each other. They're talking and looking at each other then. It's yeah, funny. it's weird. Answer the question. Point of order, Mr. Chairman. You're, uh, let me let me continue. Point of I order, Mr. You. Chairman. Point of order. I believe there's a point of order that's been raised. The gentleman has not stated a valid point I will of order. The ruling nonetheless, the chair in that case. nonetheless, are you just going to make up rules as we go along? It is not a valid point of order. The <laughs> chair has already that question. Because you don't question on that ruling. Point of order, Mr. Chairman. The gentleman is not in order. That may be, but I appeal your ruling. The gentleman is not recognized. I point of parliamentary inquiry. The ruling of the chair. Point of parliamentary inquiry. Parliamentary inquiry. Parliamentary inquiry. Parliamentary inquiry. Parliamentary inquiry. Parliamentary inquiry is Mr. not Bannon, in order. The motion is not germane, and the gentleman from Maryland, Mr. Cummings, I move to table the ruling of the chair. All those in favor of tabling the appeal, respond by saying aye. Aye. Those opposed, no. No. In the chair, the ayes have. Mr. Chairman, I ask for a recorded vote. Point of I asked for a inquiry, recorded Mr. vote. Mr. Chairman, point of parliamentary inquiry. <laughs> Sorry, that look. Oh, it's how, good. How dare you, you ask though, for a vote? The best line uh, is at the end. It's my right. favorite line I've ever heard on C-SPAN in my life. <laughs> all right. The gentleman's point of order is not well taken. It's right the, on point. 
No, it's not. Point of order, Mr. Chairman. Demo state is point of order. Point of order. It is not a point of order. 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 That is not a proper point of order. Gentlemen will suspend. The gentlewoman will have the right. The gentlewoman will suspend. The gentlewoman will suspend. The gentlewoman will suspend. His time has expired, Mr. Chairman. Your time two and a half minutes. Gentlemen is not recognized. And the chairman is not being proper. The chairman is being proper. Mr. Chairman, I think you have no choice but to recognize such a motion. I, I do not. I raise my point of order and I insist on it. What is the point of order? I move to subpoena Steve Bannon. Mr. Chairman, I move to adjourn. <laughs> Second. You're not recognized for that purpose. Oh, my God. No, you didn't go to the end. Oh. No, it was to the end. That was the whole clip. Oh, was it? Did, yeah. did, did you hear the, the line in there? One of the, one of the, one of the gals yells, do you need to take your meds? Oh, that, that is, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. That is my favorite moment. I've, I've never seen anything like that where a senator shouts at another senators, do you need to take your meds? Oh, That's God. an amazing moment. Congress uh, approval. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. 22%. Done, yeah, getting the job they are, they are done. representing you. Mueller's getting the job done, though. Um, Bob's Dozen has rolled out. I think this makes it nearly 30 indictments, which five, if you count like Flynn, have pleaded guilty. So play this one. We've got our indictments. Indictments filed just moments ago by the special counsel before a grand jury. Robert Mueller, part of the Russia investigation. Indictments filed against more Russians. Yeah, it's a, it's a remarkable turn of events. It comes just hours after President Trump referred to the Mueller probe again as a witch hunt. Uh, and just a few days before he meets with Russian President Vladimir Putin, the president has said he will bring up uh, the election meddling of 2016, but he has not uh, said it in a way that uh, many Republicans on Capitol Hill uh, wish it would be more aggressive. He has said it is okay. in terms of uh, almost. That's fine. Um, now, I read it and I have it linked in the show notes on filter.show. There's some juicy stuff in there. Yeah, it is pretty good. It really, you know, there is um, <clears throat> your good buddy. My friend. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, Michael Hayden, the former NSA director who oh, turned off man. the surveillance during 9-11 and then turned it back on afterwards. Uh, he made an observation that I agree with, and that is there's a lot of good forensic details in there. What that means is like uh, a level of detail that we haven't gotten before. Now, it's I will say this, though. If you read uh, Chase's other really great buddy. <sighs> Devin Nunes. Yeah, good guy. If you read if you read his report, which we've linked to many times, um, it is all in there. And uh, Nunes is he's fired up. He feels like uh, this is a one sided indictment. He wants more indictments. Nunes wants more indictments. Yeah, Play this one. Yeah, he sure does. Page after page of that. And, and actually, there's more in this report. Yeah. Than what's in the indictment. Okay. And this is what this is what's very frustrating. So. So it's great that they indicted Russians. Yes, they did bad things. I mean, they're always up to bad things. Uh, we know that. They have very sophisticated intelligence capabilities in Russia. And they're always, they're constantly attacking the United States and our allies. However, in the indictment, they leave out some really important 
people that they also went after. So the indictment plays like they were only going after the Democrats. When Bob Mueller and all his investigators and his lawyers know for a fact that they also targeted Republicans. Mm. Why is that not in the indictment? It makes the indictment look ridiculous. Okay. okay. So the, the, I'm, not, I'm not saying they shouldn't be indicted. The, the I'm just saying that we're targeting both Democrats and Republicans. And Republicans. Yeah. And, and, and they know that. It's in our report. So why doesn't the why doesn't Department of Justice allow this to be declassified so the American public can see this? The other thing is that what do you these suppose he's getting to here. What is he getting at? here? I, I really don't know, because it's like, OK, I mean, all they're doing. I think he's trying to make the case that these are very political. Um, they're going to get to in the clip there uh, about how there's very, you know, oh, actually, I don't know if you, if you still have it loaded. You might actually I do. Just let it play. Yeah. yeah, let it play. Well, all right. People are never going to see justice, right? I mean, we don't have jurisdiction over these the, these people. They they're not going to come to the U.S., and so they really won't actually be held accountable. Right? They're intelligence officers, so they're not going to be held accountable. Uh, it does. Oh, Devin, just stop, man. Does it That's mean though true, that we should? I know true. it's true, but like that doesn't help make his point to me. It's like taking jabs here and there. Like, come on, talk about what. Now, here's you, what his point yeah, is. His yeah. point is this is politically framed. They didn't. They didn't indict anybody for going after. They did try to go after the RNC. They did try to do that. Uh, so they, but they didn't indict anybody for that. Uh, and the people they did indict are never going to see the inside of a courtroom. They're, you know, uh, you know, it's eleven and, and, intelligence officers, and the other guy is connected to it. Like right. so, tw the twelve in total, maybe the one guy out of the twelve, but they're never ever going to go to a court. They're never going to go inside a U.S. jail cell. Right. And so you have sort of this easy, super clean, put a bow on it indictment, but it doesn't really cover anything super new here. And I think I want to just take a moment, and I want to just remind everybody that, uh, at least in my opinion, there's two very different things between screwing around with the election in some way by buying by buying Facebook ads um, by maybe trying to connect with somebody on Trump's team um, those are I'm sorry those are two different things trying to connect to somebody on Trump's team collusion and trying to buy Facebook ads or influence the election through public perception like maybe by releasing emails those are two different things so if I'm not clear I'm, I'm not saying this very clear but what I'm trying to say is there's a difference between collusion and influence and there could be a world where it is very, 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 very likely that there was influence because there's probably a long history of influence, just like Mexico and Canada and China and India at different levels try to influence the U.S. election and different countries are probably being more aggressive or less aggressive about it. But there's a big difference between that and direct collusion between somebody in Trump's campaign and the Russians are particularly Trump. Um, and I, I think... This indictment right now is sort of being used to confuse those two things. People are kind of talking about those two things as if they're one thing, as if the Russia hacking is all one inclusive thing. But the Russia hacking and collusion are two separate oh, issues. Absolutely. Yes, 100 percent. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're separate things and separate. And I wouldn't call it necessarily separate investigations per se, but, you know, everything is being looked at, you know. And so yeah, maybe that's yeah. what's leading to the confusion is yeah. that and, and that's where I, I think, you know, Devin, I understand, you know, his his agenda here, but he also got to look at the full picture of this. And, and that's where it's like, yeah, we only heard about one side of it. But then again, 
Mr. Nunes, you you also didn't interview key people from the Republican side during your investigation on the House panel, right? So it's like you can criticize on one end, but on the other end, you you do things to protect your side, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's his. Yeah. I mean, sure. That's his team. That's his. Tribe, right, right. Exactly. Right. right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, to, to hear him criticize one thing while he's alone been doing it himself is is it's like it, it, the insult to me is a little bit like like come on man it would have been i think <laughs> i think there's an opportunity lost here yeah so remember he's pretty close to the source material he's you know he's you know he's he's got had hands on all this stuff uh and it would be uh it would have been a much different discussion after the indictment was released if there was russians named in there for going after the rnc too it would have been I think it would have been a very good thing politically for everyone. It would have dialed down the the rhetoric and the temperature of this to something that affected both parties, that everyone suffered from, right. that affected everyone because it did. It the the only difference is is that they were just less successful. Um and it, it's just it's just I just think I like I reframe this in my mind if it, if they could have with all the investigation they've been doing, if they could have also included that stuff, right? It would have been a. Re- I think it would have been a really good thing for the country, uh, and I think that might be where he's coming from. He just may be too close to the sun to fully articulate it. No, I think I'm I think sure. you I think you articulated that very well. I mean, I, so all I, I of agree that, with that all of that yeah. comes out right before Trump summit, which is amazing. How great was that? Like that is. Talk the Friday news dump play. that wasn't. <laughs> That's a that was a Bob power play right there. Is what that was. That was Bob. Just reminding Trump of the enormous amount of Actually, power he has. I'm going to add a That's little bit I more think. to that. I, I think it's more than more than Bob. I think it's, there's a little Rob in there because oh sure yeah Ro- Rob didn't That's, have yeah, to, I can see it. yeah I mean Rob didn't have to step up to the podium yeah and, Bob and, and Rob Bob and Rob <laughs> Rob didn't have to do a uh, Bob I'm sorry damn it you did that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Rob got up on the podium. Rob, and, like, yes, laid it Rob, all out yeah, there. Rob, and you know, and he was trying to be like very stringent because you know he's been fighting a little battle on his own where you know people have talked about, oh, hey, let's uh, let's get him impeached, you know, let's get him out of there, um, and you know, some has speculated, hey, let's get him out of there because he's on, the only one that could legally. Uh, you know, get rid of the the special counselor and get rid of Bob. But that being said, you know, getting seeing Rob up there and just you know he was. Laying it all out there on on Friday, looking good too. He's looking bold. Well, you know, he. Yeah, I think you know he he's been taking a lot of flack. You know, he he did the testimony and testifying and all that stuff, and he he got to a point where he's just like, you know what, I I'm here to do my job. And I mean, he's Republican. Uh, you know, Bob's Republican. Uh, there are other members on the team that are also Republican, <laughs> and he's trying to make sure it's not a partisan situation. And he's trying to just come out there from a legal straight perspective. And I and I did respect that a bit. You I think know. it played well. Yeah, I, I think a, it did. I have a cl- I, I just added a clip. OK, uh, yeah. it's 3A of we could just play like a couple of moments of Rod up there. Robin Rod. It's yeah. Rod and Rob. Yeah, here's Robin Rod. Yeah. Today, a grand jury in the District of Columbia returned an indictment presented by the special counsel's office. The indictment charges 12 Russian military officers by name for conspiring to interfere with the 2016 presidential election. 11 of the defendants are charged with conspiring to hack into computers, steal documents, and release those documents with the intent to interfere in the election. One of those defendants and a 12th Russian military officer are charged with conspiring to infiltrate computers 
of organizations involved in administering elections, including state boards of election, secretaries of state, and companies that supply software used to administer elections. Now, by the way, this is where I think, you know, Devin missed the whole Republican side of it. The, the, the states and, you know, that was in the, the court documents and everything. Uh, I believe more than half of the states were Republican states that were targeted. Yeah. Um, and so to say it was all Democratic. No, I mean, there were there, were, you know, swing states targeted. There were uh, red states targeted, blue states targeted. Um, you know, he could have went down that route. Uh, and this, by the way, uh, going into this, going into the speech, uh, the president uh, was briefed by Rod. Rod briefed yeah. him and, and told him what was going to come down and what was going to happen. So, yeah, I think we're going with Rob now, though. But oh, yeah, Rob, Rob, Rob. Bob, sorry. Um, yeah. So the <laughs> the other thing about this yeah. is so not only was Trump Trump briefed about it, but I, I think when you listen to when he uh, and I don't know, maybe we should keep playing a little bit keep more. Playing it, more? OK, I think what he I think what he's saying here. Uh, in fact, if you could back it up like 10 seconds yeah. and then play it back and then I'll then I'll then we'll continue on because I. Uh, I want to talk specifically what he's saying here, I think, is really important because what he's talking about really, I think, is releasing stuff via WikiLeaks. Uh, so let's play this back and see if that's if I'm interpreting this right. All right. In administering elections, including state boards of election. You might have to go back a little further. A little further. All right. Yeah, it sounds like it. I'm are charged sure. with conspiring to infiltrate computers. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Organizations involved in administering elections, including state boards of election, secretaries of state. And companies that supply software used to no, administer elections. That wasn't it. Oh, okay. I think it was earlier, but it sounded like it sounded like. So it sounds like in here, I mean, in the indictment, they don't call out WikiLeaks directly. When you read the indictment, they don't actually say the name WikiLeaks, but they talk about releasing information, um, and so that's got to be WikiLeaks. Play a little more, I guess. Sure. According to the allegations in the indictment, the defendants worked for two units of the main intelligence directorate of the Russian General Staff, known as the GRU. The units engaged in active cyber operations to interfere in the 2016 presidential election. There was one unit that engaged in active cyber operations by stealing information, and a different unit that was responsible for disseminating the stolen information. The defendants used two techniques to steal information. First, they use a scheme known as spear phishing, which involves sending misleading email messages and tricking the users into disclosing their passwords and security information. Podesta. Second, the defendants hacked into computer networks and installed malicious software. Kaspersky? No, I'm kidding. I, I, we don't know. <laughs> it was, they call it X-Agent, which is very generic. Yeah. It allowed them to spy on users and capture keystrokes take screenshots, and exfiltrate or remove data from those computers. The defendants accessed email accounts of volunteers and employees of a U.S. presidential campaign, including the campaign chairman, starting in March of 2016. They also hacked into the computer networks of a congressional campaign committee and a national political committee. The defendants covertly monitored the computers, implanted hundreds of files containing malicious computer code, and stole emails and other documents. The conspirators created fictitious online personas, including DC Leaks and Guccifer 2.0, and they used those personas to release information, 
including thousands of stolen emails and other documents, beginning in June of 2016. The defendants falsely claimed that DC Leaks was a group of American hackers and that Guccifer 2.0 was a lone Romanian hacker. In fact, both were created and controlled by the Russian GRU. Wow. Yeah. So the um, the timeline that he lays out there is that, and this this checks out, right? As we know, is Podesta gets fished yep. in March of 2016. Yep. Um. Now the the uh, the phishing the problem. I, mean, I really wish I wish it was something more sophisticated than a phishing attack because then it would just be so much more believable. The the other the other element is uh, Bill Binney or I forget his last name. Uh, the former NSA uh, leaker or uh, I guess whistleblower. Um, he and a group of other people did a study that looked at the timestamps and the data sizes and and argued that it was more of a USB 2.0 copy speed than it was anything that was captured over the network. We've linked to that in the past. But that aside, um, the one thing that I still have trouble with is the basic timeline where it all starts. It's just it's just the one simple thing is Podesta gets fished in March of 2016. But Trump doesn't win the party nomination until July 19th of 2016. In fact, there was still a bunch of other clowns in the well, race. Well, when did when time. did when did uh, when did Trump officially like kind of lean and, and nod in and say, yeah, I'm going to run? You know, I don't know the date, but I did look this up uh, uh, last week. And um, if you go by and I have two different or three different timelines linked in the show notes um, so you guys can check this out. Uh, the uh, first time that the DNC is like they're like there was there was a suspected attempted attack when like the first time the FBI contacted them is like back in 2014 or 2015, which would have been well before Trump announced. I think in 2014, well before he announced his intent to even run. Um, I mean, it, you know, the, 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 the one, timeline's just it's what it is. Yeah, it's just what I it mean, is. Th- there is one thing, though, that we, we did know even before Trump was putting his hat into the ring. And, and that was Hillary was making a run again. And yeah, but and we also know that uh, Mr. Putin did not like Hillary very much. Um, and, obviously, yeah, but, you know, I think the one person where I, I feel like part of this is a snub against Julian Assange because oh, we're not yeah, giving Assange enough credit. He he hates the Clintons. He hated Hillary. That's true. And in, on June 12th, he had an interview on British television where he says they had obtained a batch of emails that they were going to be releasing. Now, again, that's before Trump wins the general. Or the primary? He, or, or you mean the uh, the overall election, you mean? I guess the primary, yeah. yeah primary. I'm sorry, the primary. Yeah, before yeah. he was the, the, candidate, the, candidates, uh, uh, the candidate for the party. Right. Um, so before Trump was the, the, the Republican nominee, Assange was on television talking about, so maybe Putin had a time machine and maybe Assange also had a time machine or, or maybe Russia's always just meddling and Assange hates Hillary. And if you recall what they exposed wasn't, wasn't really anything other than corruption at the DNC and the, the, the real, the, the the ass screwing that they were giving Bernie Sanders. Like they were really, you know, colluding against Bernie Sanders. The top echelon, like Debbie had to, had to resign. They, they showed that they funneled a ton of money for people that were donating to Hillary to a very few special candidates and super delegates. And that they showed they were buying off super delegates. Yeah. 
but they they didn't they didn't really show much else than that. Um, and I just I'm not saying I'm not saying that John Podesta wasn't fished by the Russians because it's entirely possible. It would it would make sense. Uh, I I could see why they would want to do that. I, I just I think it I think it uh, it's still worth considering that a fishing attack could have simply been. I mean. Well, you know, I think I I, I, I don't think remember too much how we we speculated it, but I I I also thought that maybe, you know, a wide net was cast, right? It was, yeah. And you know, yeah, John Podesta I, just so were, happened to be <laughs> the the guy that didn't well, you, know you, about you internet think about security. It, it was targeted to a degree. I mean, I, yeah. I think that's a fair assessment to make. It must have been targeted to a degree, yeah. but maybe targeted to just you know, uh, Democratic uh, top party uh, people, uh, you know. Um, I mean, I who knows? Some RNC officials were also targeted, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. So it could have been. And there was, and there was, and there was, some, there was some hacking. Uh, not ha- if you would call it hacking or not, but there is some compromised RNC stuff as well. Yeah, or attempts, I, I should I, say. I guess what I go back to though is um, I still haven't seen any conclusive link between WikiLeaks and Russia, and there's nothing concrete that ties Guccifer to the Russian government other than they say so. Right. Like there's nothing in the indictment that like there's they present no evidence. Well, to be fair, I mean you you know we're only going to get be. the speech yeah. per se, but you know if it ever went yeah, to trial, I mean we'll. We I'm just watch saying those are things that still seem it seems really tidy and really easy. Sure, uh, and it it seems also possible. I'm not saying that's not possible. I'm just saying it seems really tidy, and maybe I'd like more information. Uh, but they did get a chance to to talk about all of this at the big Helsinki summit. That's right. Uh, do you want to play this breakdown of the... This, uh, we can go just a little bit into yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. It began with a handshake. A quick photo opportunity. President Trump with a grin. President Putin stone-faced. And then it was down to business. Great to be with you. After the cameras left the room, it was just the two men and their translators. An unprecedented two-hour off-the-record meeting. They emerged together, the president of the United States standing side by side with the president of Russia, addressing the world and pointed questions about Russia's interference in America's election. Do you hold Russia at all accountable for anything in particular? Yes, I do. I hold uh, both countries responsible. I think that the United States has been foolish. I think we've all been foolish and I think we're all uh, to blame. There was no collusion at all. Those comments coming on the heels of last week's grand jury indictment of 12 Russian intelligence officers for their alleged roles in committing cyber crimes to interfere in the 2016 elections. The indictment okay, charge- All right. See, that, again, is not collusion. That's influencing, right? right. That's, uh, so you see how he just blurred the lines there? See, Trump's talking about collusion, uh, and they're talking about what people like to call meddling. Those are two different Two different topics. The indictment is talking about meddling. Two different actions. Yeah, I mean, totally. Yeah. yeah. So, but but the but the presenter here is blurring the lines between the two. He's uh, because Trump is clearly talking about collusion, not about the meddling. So I, you know, just pointing that out. Yeah, like I mean, yeah, yeah, totally. He's getting called out for something that he's not talking about. Right. No, I I agree. I mean, it's it's you can't exchange those two different things. You, you got to kind of separate them out because when you're starting clouding those two different words, it, you know, then it just kind of all gets mushed in together. And that's not here's really why I think that right matters, to too, because meddling represents a new type of attempt to insert influence that probably is an extension of an ongoing campaign. And what is if it's true, 
there is a there is a big silver lining here for all of us. And that is now the American public is very aware of it. And there is now a high political cost to Russia. And the message has now been sent that we're no longer going to ignore it and that the public is angry about this. Now, I guess it's possible that they weren't trying to meddle in the election, but we, we've seen the ads they tried to buy. It would seem negligent if they didn't try to influence the election. But we as a public need to be aware of the ways that different countries attempt to do that. And so there is actually a silver lining to all of this. If we could stop if we could stop blurring the lines between collusion and meddling, because there is a good message for the public to be aware, because it puts political pressure on Russia to knock it the hell off if all of a sudden the rather ignorant American public becomes hyper aware of something they're trying to do. Like that's a good thing yeah. because it prevents Russia from doing it more. But we need to be clear about what we're talking about. Continue on, sir. Yeah, well, I was going to add one thing is I, I could see a potential blurring between the two if, for example, if there was, and this is where the collusion part would be, coordination, right, between one uh, campaign or one group of people and Russia to influence. So I, I can see where there could be a potential blurring. Uh, but, you know, one, you know, it's not to say that there was a collusion to influence yeah. or to I attempt really to, but I to could make see. that WikiLeaks connection pretty concrete, too, because right. Assange is a, you know, he's a well-known activist who goes back and does this. We just actually linked to uh, a, a WikiLeaks article today in the show notes that talks about the CIA influencing elections in another country. Um, it's something we are meddling in other elections right now. And WikiLeaks just published an article about it. Like they're still doing it. They're right. still out there. Yeah. And it, this is something they've been known for doing. So I think you'd have to really, really prove that concrete connection. And the thing is, is there's just so there's so much motivation on the federal government's part to really smear his character. You know, he's a rapist. He's a traitor. Uh, and now this just makes him a Russian operative as well. So, like, you know, it really makes Assange part of the villain in the story. And that is also super tidy. That's why I get a little skeptical about it. And I, I would just like to see more proof of that link. Sure. Uh, and as Guccifer as well. Um, well. We can actually probably stop uh, this part. Actually, okay. well, I don't know if you already did. You, if you don't know if you're. No, no, I'm it, still then, I'm still on it. But yeah. I mean, it's it's your. Why call. don't we play it to the quote unquote most controversial moment of the night? All right. There's 12 Russian military officers by name for conspiring to interfere with the 2016 presidential election. Today, Putin offering his own response to questions of meddling. All right, so he said there, can you name a single fact that proves collusion? This is utter nonsense. And then this offer. He says he would allow Russian authorities to question the 12 indicted officers with Mueller's team present. We can allow them into the country. They will be present at questions. But he added a condition. Russia must then be allowed to interrogate American intelligence agents. President Trump sounded enthusiastic at the prospect. And what he did is an incredible offer. He offered to have the people working on the case come and work with their investigators with respect to the 12 people. I think that's an incredible offer. Okay, thank you. But here was the moment that truly ignited the firestorm today when President Trump appeared to throw America's intelligence community under the bus. Would you now, with the whole world watching, tell President Putin, would you denounce what happened in 2016 and would you warn him to never do it again? My people came to me, Dan Coates came to me and some others. They said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin 
Uh, he just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be. So I have great oh. confidence. Oh, my goodness. Oy. So that was uh, that got people really upset. We'll cover the reaction in a, in a minute. I want to actually stay focused on the substance for a bit if we can. Um, there was a question directed right at Vlad about interfering with the 2016 election. Why don't we give that some room to play? Because I think Mr. President, you tweeted this morning that it's U.S. foolishness, stupidity and the Mueller probe that is responsible for the decline in U.S. relations with Russia. Do you hold Russia at all accountable for anything in particular? And if so, what would you what would you consider them that they are responsible for? Yes, I do. I hold uh, both countries responsible. I think that the United States has been foolish. I so think we've I have a question here, and I and I'll rewind it back so we can hear the full. No, you can answer. keep it going. No, we've, we know what he oh, says. Okay. Why is it when the question was directed about Russia, specifically? That the first thing he did was us, and and then started throwing and started talking crap about us. Now I'm not I'm not saying that to say well you know he should just be only talking crap about Russia yeah, 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 or, yeah. or anything like that. But that was the first thing he did. And yeah, this is something I think he should work on because I think what this is is this is his technique is he's flipping the question around and he's uh, and what people often label this as he's creating a moral equivalency between us and a brutal regime. But what he's doing is. He's trying to say, like, what? You're so perfect. Your shit doesn't stink. And he's trying to turn it around a little bit because he's in an awkward situation where the guy's standing right next to him. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? right. And he's trying to make yeah. this thing a success. That's the that's the awkward dance he's doing with Kim, too, is like he's he's got to be firm and he's got to make people at home happy. But at the same time, he wants to make a deal and he doesn't want to piss the person off because, you know, they got huge egos. I think one thing that Trump is good at is intuitively navigating people that have larger than life narcissistic personalities. I think he's got an intuitive sense of how to navigate those people. And so to a fault, he's playing a word game here that comes across like he's slamming the United States when he's trying to build a moral equivalency. So then that way what he says isn't super offensive to his guest. I, you know what? I, I, I can buy that. I will, I will buy that. All been foolish. We should have had this back that up. they are responsible for. Yes, I do. I hold uh, both countries responsible. I think that the United States has been foolish. I think we've all been foolish. We should have had this dialogue a long time ago, uh, a long time, frankly, before I got to office. And I think we're all uh, to blame. I think that the United States now has stepped forward along with Russia, and we're getting together, and we have a chance to do some great things, whether it's nuclear proliferation in terms of stopping. So we have to do it. Ultimately, that's probably the most important thing that we can be working on. But uh, I do feel that uh, we have both made some mistakes. I think that the, the probe is a disaster for our country. I think it's kept us apart. It's kept us separated. There was no collusion at all. All right, stop uh, Everybody it. knows. <laughs> what I would say, if I were Trump, the way I would answer this is, uh, I mean, if, you know, within reason of how he answers things, is where I might go here is, we've all made mistakes. I think this probe and the rhetoric around this po political situation has greatly damaged a nation, or, you know, our relationship with Russia. But at the same time, the way they handled the situation in Crimea has been badly received by the world. And that's made our relationship more strenuous. You know, you, you could say something. It, it, it felt it, it felt like he didn't want to say anything bad about Russia. 
Yeah, and, and, I, and that's the general um, impression because I watched most of this press conference, yeah. and there were times where it's like, you know, defend us, like yeah. you know, you know, you know, we're not all crap here, you know, and and I watch this and I go, in a way though, he's not wrong about anything he's saying. Like he's not saying anything technically wrong. Like uh, them working together is something that should have happened a long time ago. There were mistakes made on both sides, and working together to get less nukes in the world is a really good thing, not just for the U.S., but it's a really good thing for Russia, too. And that's all true. I don't, let's play a little more. Yeah. Was it, uh, people are being brought out to the fore. Uh, so far that I know, virtually none of it related to the campaign. And they're going to have to try really hard to find somebody that did relate to the campaign. That was a clean campaign. I beat Hillary Clinton easily. And frankly, uh, we beat her and I'm not even saying from the standpoint, we won that race. And it's a shame that there can even be a little bit of a cloud over it. Uh, people know that, people understand it, but the main thing, and we discussed this also, is zero collusion. And it has had a negative impact upon the relationship. What does that mean, we discussed this, oh yeah, in zero collusion? What, I mean, Yeah, I know, he's just rambling. I mean, I mean, the point he's trying to make is that it's, it's affecting the relationship, but it's a, it's a shaggy dog story to get there. Right. Which, which, by the way, the relationship hasn't been good for since what nineteen? If I have to add nineteen in front of it, that's it's it's been a while. Do you want to bail on this one? Yeah, there's others we can get to. Yeah, yeah. that's because this is the one I think I want to talk to you about. Uh, play this one. They asked Putin about the P tape, and <laughs> I wasn't super convinced by his answer. He kind of, I mean, he makes the point. What I think he's trying to say is Donald Trump didn't matter enough to me to even know he was in the country. But that doesn't really answer the question. Take a listen. Right, yeah. The compromising material. Yeah, I did heard these rumors that we allegedly collected compromising material on Mr. Trump when he was visiting Moscow. Well, distinguished colleague, let me tell you this. When President Trump visited Moscow back then, I didn't even know that he was in Moscow. I treat President Trump with utmost respect, but back then, when he was a private individual, a businessman, nobody informed me that he was in Moscow. Well, let's take St. Petersburg Economic Forum, for instance. There were over 500 American businessmen, the high-ranking, the high-level ones. I don't even remember the last names of each and every one of them. Well, do you remember, do you think that we try to collect compromising material on each and every single one of them? Well, it's difficult to imagine uh, another nonsense really. of a bigger scale than this. We didn't collect on everybody, just a few. I mean, he's essentially <laughs> saying there, because uh, he says, with all due respect to Mr. Trump, I had no, I didn't give a shit that he was in this in the country. <laughs> you know, he's a, he was a B-level celebrity. I don't even track when Clooney's in the country. <laughs> but um, he didn't but he did, say no. <laughs> right, he didn't say right. maybe the FSB was just always monitoring these kinds of things in that hotel because they watch everyone in that hotel. Like, that's possible. Yeah. But I, I don't think there's a, I Trump says there at the end, if there was a tape, it would be out already. Yeah, I, I'll, kind of, I, I, I'll play it because there's only a few okay. seconds left. All right. All right. Well, please, just disregard these issues and don't think about this anymore again. Oh, and don't think about this anymore you know, again? That's the part that makes him sound guilty. It's like, all right, I answered your question. Don't ask it again. Like, oh, God. All right. Uh, let me back it up a little second. I don't want to cut off the president. Imagine uh, another nonsense of a bigger scale than this. Well, please just disregard these issues and don't think about this anymore again. 
And, and I have to say, if they yeah, had but- it, it would have been out long ago. And if anybody watched... Oh, the cut off com- there. Sorry. There you go. That's, That's okay. Yeah. So the, the, there was a moment that I really appreciated. Of course, it was a Russian journalist that asked the question. But a Russian journalist asked um, Putin about uh, Trump's recent tough talk about the Nord 2 natural gas pipeline. Quick, super quick recap. Germany has this longstanding agreement to buy natural gas from Russia. It came up right before the NATO summit. Trump's like, hey... Here we are protecting your asses. Meanwhile, you're subsidizing Russia's economy and you're not helping us at all here. We want to sell you natch gas. And uh, then it comes out, according to Trump, that in private conversations, Angela Merkel essentially said, look, dumbass, your shit's across the ocean and his stuff I can get from a pipe over land. What, which one do you think I'm going to do? I, right, yeah. That is a way more guaranteed. I, don't, I mean, I know you've got boats, um, but this isn't widely reported, but it happened. In their little two-hour conversation, Putin assured the president that uh, that things would be okay. We'll get to that perhaps, but I, 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 essentially, it's it's in this it's in this clip that Putin says yeah, things will probably be okay. We could probably work something out. You know, maybe there's some room here to work things out. But the way they dance around the topic is kind of interesting because what I think it shows you is their real relationship, Putin and Trump's real relationship. Uh, I think kind of comes up in here. So play clip number seven here, Mr. Chase. Sure. That's a question each, each first. The Russian journalist will ask the question. Please give your affiliation. Good afternoon. My name is Alexei Meshkov, Interfax Information Agency. I have a question to President Trump. During your recent European tour, you've mentioned that the implementation of the North Stream 2 gas pipeline makes Europe a hostage of Russia. And you suggested that you could free Europe from this uh, by supplying American LNG. But this cold winter actually showed that the current model, current uh, mechanism of supply of fuel to Europe is quite viable. At the same time, as far as I know, US had to buy even Russian gas for Boston. I have a question. The implementation of your idea has a political tinge to it, or is it a practical one? Because there will be a gap formed in the supply and demand mechanism, and first it's the consuming countries who will fall into this gap. And the second question, before the meeting with President Putin, you called him an adversary, a rival, and yet you expressed hope that you will be able to bring this relationship to a new level. Did you manage to do this? No, actually I called him a competitor, and a good competitor he is. Uh, And I think the word competitor is a uh, compliment. Uh, I think that uh, we will be competing when you talk about the pipeline. I'm not sure necessarily that uh, it's in the best interests of Germany or not, but that was a decision that they made. We'll be competing. As you know, the United States is now, uh, or soon will be, but I think it actually is right now the largest uh, in the oil and gas world. So we're going to be selling LNG and we'll have to be competing with the pipeline. And I think we'll compete successfully, although there is a little advantage locationally. So I just wish them luck. I mean, I did. I discussed with Angela Merkel in pretty strong tones. But I also know where they're all coming from. And uh, they have a very close source. So we'll see how that all works out. But we have lots of sources now. And the United States is much 
different than it was a number of years ago when we weren't able to extract what we can extract today. So today we're number one in the world at that. And I think we'll be out there competing very strongly. Thank you very much. If I may, um, I throw in some two cents. We talked to Mr. President, including this subject as well. We are aware of the stance of President Trump, and I think that we, as a major oil and gas power, and the United States is a major oil and gas power as well. We could work together on regulation of international markets because neither of us is actually interested in the plummeting of the, of the prices. And the consumers will suffer as well. And the consumers in the United States will suffer as well. And the um, shale gas production... He wants regulation, Chase. And they want to be, work and, together. And they want to be the ones running that regulation. Yeah. Um, so this is a natch gas pipeline, not an oil pipeline. Just point of order on that. Point of order parliamentary no no porto point of order chris point of order yeah sorry uh and um that is uh, something we do have quite a bit of here in the states so that is something we could be pretty competitive in yeah now there was a classic trump moment where he brings up the server (sighs) you know and that always gets people fired up (laughs) first question for you sir is who do you believe my second question is would you now with the whole world watching tell president putin would you denounce what happened in 2016, and would you warn him to never do it again? So let me just say that we have two thoughts. You have groups that are wondering why the FBI never took the server. Haven't they taken the server? Why was the FBI told to leave the office of the Democratic National Committee? I've been wondering that. I've been asking that for months and months, and I've been tweeting it out and calling it out on social media. Where is the server? I want to Where's know the where server, is Chase? the server. Where's the box? And what is the server <clears throat> so, I got a question. Yeah. I got a, I'm gonna, I'll put this out I... on filter.show slash contact. Uh, maybe you can let us know. I got a link in the show notes that says that the DNC server was actually 140 cloud servers. And that they got an image, but they you know obviously weren't going to extract the actual physical server. And that... Uh, that the FBI didn't get that image, but that the cyber firm that they hired, I forgot Cloudflare, I, actually not Cloudflare, I can't remember, CrowdStrike, I can't remember who they hired anymore. It's one of the one of the well-known ones. Uh, they analyzed the image and then handed the results over to the FBI. So it's kind of nuanced. Trump, you know, as he often does, sort of simplifies things like the NATO folks aren't paying their fair share into NATO, which really means... They're not spending enough on their own military budget. They're not spending 2% of their military budget – or of, I'm sorry, of their budget on military. Right. Uh, that's what they're not paying their fair share to NATO actually means in Trump speak. So he does sometimes simplify things to sort of – I think to sort of brand it, to sort of memify it a little bit. I think it's a very successful technique. And so when he says the server, this article that I have linked in the show notes claims it's 140 boxes. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. I haven't seen a lot of backup data for that because I've also heard other stories, including like, you know, m- multiple iterations of where Hillary servers lived over the years. So if you know or have any uh, source material on filter.show slash contact, I'd like to see that. Uh, you want to shift gears to reaction? See uh, the how, I mean, the, the reaction was, to, I mean, the strongest I've ever seen it to anything Trump's done, I think. It was... And it was it bipartisan was, too. I mean, it, it was. Oh well, yeah. yeah. I, I do. I do love that. Whenever 
any Republicans criticize Trump, that's always the lead uh, talking point <laughs> is bipartisan criticism. Bipartisan, you know? yeah. yeah. But when it's John McCain and Lindsey Graham and, you know, uh, yeah, it was bipartisan. Yeah, I mean, it was, though. But, you know, really, I thought you're good, buddy. Oh, my gosh, it's Anderson Cooper. <laughs> I thought he had a pretty sub substantive uh, uh, take on it. Why don't you play his You have been clip. watching perhaps one of the most disgraceful performances by an American president uh, at a summit in front of a Russian leader, uh, certainly that I've ever seen, uh, an extraordinary uh, press conference. Um, extraordinary. I'm back with right, CNN Global there, Affairs right. analyst Susan Glasser. <laughs> what's, so, what's so extraordinary, what's so extraordinary is really the things they're all taking issue with is that Trump kind of implied he didn't agree with the intelligence agency assessments and the indictment. Uh, so, okay, let's go to Tapper. Uh, Tapper, I thought, also had a very strong, palatable reaction. CNN was losing it. Jake, what's your head. bottom there. line takeaway bottom from line. what we bottom saw line. today? The bottom line takeaway is, according to Democrats and Republicans, intelligence agencies, uh, every leader of the intelligence agencies, senators, the House, the Senate Intelligence Committee, the House Intelligence Committee, Russia launched cyber attacks against the United States to interfere in the election. They did that to the people of the United States. And today, President Trump sided with Russia over not just the intelligence agencies of the United States, but also the people of the United States. He took uh, a KGB officer, a known liar's word for it. Uh, why he did so, if it had to do with his desire to not be seen as illegitimate because of the fact that Russia interfered, I don't know. I can't, I can't really get into that. Uh, I'm not a doctor, but I can tell you. Uh, <laughs> All right. Okay. Now leave that to Sanjay Gupta. Okay. Oh, my God. How good is are this? Like, I'm not a doctor. Okay, that's great. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I thought that was uh, pretty strong. It's a pretty strong reaction. I also okay. liked ABC's take on it. They do a roundup of some of that bipartisan criticism you mentioned. Yeah. The reaction, as you've seen back home, was immediate today, and not just from Democrats. Of the 51 Republicans in the Senate tonight, we've now heard from more than 30 of them already. The list is growing. And on Fox News, many voices sounding alarm, too. ABC's chief White House correspondent, Jonathan Carl, with what they're saying tonight. The president's joint press conference was over for just a matter of minutes when fellow Republicans started pouncing. One of the first... Republican Senator Ben Sass releasing a statement saying, quote, this is bizarre and flat out wrong. And then Senator Jeff Flake. It was shameful. And uh, I never thought I'd see an American president uh, throw the intelligence community under the bus like that. And even before the president left Helsinki, the Republican chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee unloaded on him. The president's comments made us look as a nation more like a pushover. The top Democrat in the Senate went so far as to suggest that Putin must have something on Trump. Americans are scratching their head and saying, if that's not the explanation, that Putin has something on it, what is it? What the heck could it be? Weighing in from Arizona, Senator John McCain called the president's press conference a tragic mistake. And okay. quote. So <clears throat> I, I guess I want to recap. The great offense that happened here was that he said, we've both made mistakes and some people say it's the Russians. I don't know if it is. Putin says it's not. Um, and that is that is the that is what all of this is referring to. Everything they just said about how we've made ourselves look weak in front of the Russians. It happened on foreign soil. Uh, Lester, there's a clip of Lester in the supporter sink where he gets so emotional about this, he starts to choke up. 
he starts Lester starts to choke up at the end of the NBC nightly news because he's he's so verklempt over this tragedy that has happened. But when I watch the press conference, what I see is somebody who says things a little a little rough, you know, a little inelegant and likes to bang on his go to topics when he's put in a hard spot. And I but when I look at the substantive things that have developed from this summit, if nothing else, I, I, let's let's really think about this for a second. If Donald Trump destroyed America's economy, crashed our country into the ground, but normalized relations with Russia, that is a gift to humanity. It's a big deal. Like, this is an important thing to happen here. And when we begin the conversation, we are giving Putin an opportunity to receive prestige on the world stage and bring Russia up out of the former Soviet Union and back onto the world stage. You heard him use the words in that press conference, we are a gas and oil power. That's what all of this is about. It's about Russia coming back onto the world stage as an economic player, as a competitor. They're a bigger competitor than they were five years ago even, especially now in natch gas and oil now that we're fracking like sons of bitches. I would, I would be okay with all of that it, as long as, I mean, to do it under the guise right now of, of the investigation, right? And, you know, with everything that I know, and your good buddy, you know, Mr. Comey, you know, and his firing, which prompted, you know, the whole investigation in the first place, is you would think that the president, if he, if he had this vision and he was going down that road and saying, you know, hey, let's try to bring Russia back into the mix, that he would not be so adversarial against the investigation, right? Here's the thing, and this is why I'm starting to feel kind of good about this, is because <clears throat> the original calculation I made all the way back on the week of Comey's firing still adds up. And I think, I think it's indicative of a consistent cold calculation. If you remember our conversation at the time, you're like, why would Trump do something so politically disastrous like this? And my response was, he's either a maniac or he really, truly, deeply, profoundly believes there was no collusion and is taking the best action he thinks he should, regardless of the political fallout, because he knows in the long term he's likely to be found innocent and he needs to take the actions he needs to take. And it's, you know, we didn't know at the time. But I go back to this. He has a moment to reach out with Russia and North Korea. And he has seized on both of those, regardless of the unbelievable, believable political heat he takes for it. The lead up with little, all the little rocket man blowback and Twitter diplomacy and how he should have his Twitter account taken away. And then he's going to get rolled by Kim. He's going to do something stupid. And then he leaves the summit and it's he made a big commitment to end the war games. What was he thinking? It's. Every single step of the way, it's political heat. But when you step back and look at it, relations have simmered. They're not doing nuke tests. Things are progressing, although rough, they're progressing. When he starts this summit with Putin, it's, it's giving Putin an opportunity to normalize relations. And the one thing you have to keep in mind is they're still 10 times smaller than the U.S. economy. 
they need us more than we need them. Right. But then but then you don't then you don't have a meeting in private with nothing on the record. You, oh, I think you do. Oh, I think after all the leaks and all of the political all of the political backstabbing. But see, but see, he's games. already under a level of suspicion, right? You 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 you're already, you know, there's already a I level agree. of mistrust. Right. But I and, go back to my Comey my Comey answer, if he truly profoundly believes and perhaps even knows there was no level of collusion, then he is seizing on an opportunity here that he would be a fool to pass on regardless of the political heat that he's taking see, for it in see, the that's immediate where I, I, I think, you know, if he believed that, you know, and if he, you know, obviously he does because he says it like almost every other sentence, no collusion, by the way. Um, no, oh, really? Oh, no collusion? Yeah, no collusion, uh, Chris. He's a that, little assist- insistent, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's like you don't have to pound it down, you know, it just... just He's insecure. He's obviously insecure about it. Right, and, and that's where it's like either is he trying to say it so many times that if something does bad come down the pipe you know through the investigation yeah. that he can say well see look see see it's all it's all rigged it's all rigged so i look at i look at two things number one there's some substantive improvements in the relationship now there's a there's a communications channel and there's much more political heat now if russia does things to influence the 2018 election trump doing this now makes that a much riskier political calculation for russia if they want to take active interference uh, because this whole summit thing starts to fall apart if he does. <clears throat> so Trump doing this now is timing for the election. Good. It's a good thing. Also, when two nations, the ones that hold all of our nukes, are talking, that is a good thing. Like both those things are good. And if you want to argue that we shouldn't be we shouldn't be having a conversation with somebody who murders journalists, uh, uh, then we should probably also be having a conversation about our relationship with Saudi Arabia and Qatar. And all of those sons of bitches like it's you, you can't have you can't just pick and choose which brutal dictators you're OK with us having a super deep, passionate, loving relationship with and which ones you're going to draw your arbitrary moral line on. Like they're all bad guys and we're pretty bad, too. I don't know if you've met our CIA and our drone <laughs> program, but we're kinds of sons of bitches, too. We seem to be murdering people all over the world with ships in the sky. Oh, yeah. No. I, and we and we've definitely bashed how Obama used those drone programs. At nauseum. I mean, yeah, no, I'm not denying that we've been, we've not been uh, the angels that we perceive ourselves to be at times. No, I, I get that. It, but I feel it, like I've been, I feel like though I've been really consistent with this point on Russia since Obama. In fact, <clears throat> if you're up for it, I have a clip that I'd like you to play, number five, just to remind us how when this happened under the Obama administration, this was a really good thing. Today, uh in anticipation of uh, this important meeting and our our time here together, I wanted to uh, present you with uh, a little gift, which represents what President Obama and Vice President Biden and I have been saying, and that is, we want to reset our relationship. And let's do it, let's do it together. So we will do it together. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. You are Thank very you. welcome. We worked hard to get the right Russian word. Do you think you, we got it? You get it wrong. I got it wrong. Ah. <laughs> it should be Perezagruska. Ah. And this says Perezagruska, uh, which means overcharged. <laughs> okay. Well, we won't let you do that to us. <laughs> I promise. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Now, the other thing that I has struck me about this is, okay, well, it's okay that he's talking to Putin. But he needs to be talking really tough, like take this opportunity to like rub his face in the shit that's on the carpet. But I want to go back in time one more time to Obama 
talking about how you can't just sit there and give Putin a hard time and harass him into complying. In early September, when I saw President Putin in China, I felt that the most effective way to ensure that that didn't happen was to talk to him directly and tell him to cut it out, and there were going to be some serious consequences if he didn't. And I had to have the same conversation with Prime Minister, or with President Xi, and what we've seen is some evidence that they have reduced, but not completely eliminated, these activities. The Russians can't change us or significantly weaken us. They are a smaller country. They are a weaker country. Their economy doesn't produce anything that anybody wants to buy except oil and gas and arms. Unless the American people genuinely think that the professionals in the CIA, the FBI, our entire intelligence infrastructure, many of whom, by the way, served in previous administrations and who are Republicans, uh, are less trustworthy than the Russians, then uh, people should pay attention to what our intelligence agencies say. So slow, Chase. He talks well, now. To be so to slow. be fair, at least at le you know he he's trying to obviously quantify wow. his remarks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh shit. Sure. It, it's a comparison. It's, so it's a comparison for sure. So I don't know. Slow. Would you no, would no, you no, rather no, have no, slow, no, no, no. slow or just all over the map? I don't know. I don't know. I think actually there's a I think there's a good percentage of people that prefer Trump because they feel like they can read him more clearly than they can read somebody like Obama who's really calculating every word. Now, and some people I think are more comforted by that than the smooth talker. I agree with you way. there. I mean, when you're I, a politician, you probably should be a smooth uh, talker. I um I otherwise you freak I'm inclined everybody to everybody out. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I all right, so um there was a pretty good debate between Glenn Greenwald, your good buddy, uh -huh. and I forget, the, I think the guy's name's John, and he is an author about trying to keep Trump's finger off the nuke button about the big problem of nukes. And um, he managed to put, uh, uh, he being Glenn, managed to put a lot of my thoughts into words like he usually does. This is clip number seven. It's kind of a long one, but I'd like to play it because it's, uh, I think it's worth listening to, especially if you're really worked up this week is so unbelievably unhinged um the idea that the that the phishing link sent to john podesta and the democratic national committee are the greatest threat to american democracy in decades people are now talking about it as though it's on par with 9 11 or pearl harbor that the lights are blinking red in terms of the threat level this is lunacy this kind of talk um i spent years reading through the most top secret documents of the nsa and i can tell you that not only do they send phishing links to russian agencies of every type continuously on a daily basis but do far more aggressive interference in the cybersecurity of every single country than russia is accused of having done during the 2016 election to characterize this as some kind of grave existential threat to american democracy is exactly the kind of rhetoric that we heard throughout the Bush-Cheney administration about 
what al-Qaeda was like. And I would just remind everybody as well that if you look at Russia's, at the, at the United States' Russia policy during the administration of Barack Obama, look at what he did and said. In 2012, he mocked the idea spread by Mitt Romney, that Russia was our greatest existential foe. Yes, that was before Crimea, but it was after Georgia. It was after they were accused of murdering dissidents and imprisoning journalists. He mocked that idea and said, we have all kinds of reasons to try and get along with Russia. Even after 2016, after Crimea, after he was told that the Russians interfered in the U.S. election, he didn't talk about it as 9-11 or treat it like 9-11. He expelled a few Russian diplomats and urged everybody to keep it in perspective and said that Russia is the seventh or eighth largest economy in the world behind even Italy and not a grave threat to the United States. This kind of talk, this kind of climate, it's amazing. Joe's work is something I vehemently support, which is eliminating the threat of nuclear weapons. Yes, it'd be great if we had better leaders, but the leaders of the country that have 90% of the nuclear stockpile happen to be Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin. That's not going to change. So the question is not, do we wish we had better leaders? The question is, do we want these two countries trying to talk and resolve their differences peacefully, or do we want them isolating one another and feeling besieged and belligerent and attacked, which heightens all the tensions that Joe has devoted his, his career to combating. And I think it's much better to have the kind of dialogue that Barack Obama advocated with Russia than the kind of belligerence that Democrats now demand of, of our government. I think it's a really, really great point. And it's what's amazing is that he's a Democrat progressive and he's using the arguments of one of the one of the most beloved Democrats, Obama. It's so I mean, it's a strong argument because it's their own argument. Yeah, and and that's where you know I I get incredibly uh, pessimistic and lethargic when it comes to our political system currently and our process, just because of all the money involved. And you know, I I generally you know try to be altruistic and 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 like you know, hey, let's can't why can't we all get along? I mean, you know, you know, different countries have different resources and different positives and. You know, why can't we all work together on these things? I think um, it's nationalism. I think it's yeah. racism. Yeah. I think this is I think there is a bit yeah. of an inbred um like tribalism. Tribalism is a is a factor here. It's uh, it's tribalism. Russia is the other tribe. Uh, I really think that's part of it. And um the indictment came down and people use that as a as sort of this this moment to sort of unleash all of this pent up anger and frustration. Yeah. And sort of confuse collusion and I like to say influence, but they like to say meddling. Um, I think influence is a more uh, accurate description of what they tried to do. They tried to influence opinion. Meddling sounds, I don't know, it sounds more dramatic, I guess. But uh, I think, you know, I think I think Greenwald nailed it right there. I think this is a good thing to have them talking uh, and. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be a hell of a revelation if they can tie like uh, Donnie Jr. to somebody connected close to Putin. Like if they can make a connection, and then you know, then this then I might believe this stuff that they have dirt on Trump. I don't think so though. I think Trump's motivations are more simpler and in our face. I don't think it's them uh, holding a p tape on him. I really well, I really think it's more. He he sees a good competitor in there, and he wants yeah. to try to get. He wants to try to get in with the EU, and by 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 positioning and calling out that pipeline the way he did, he's bringing all of this to the forefront, and he's just putting it out there in front of everybody. And now they're just talking about it openly. 
in a way that nobody was talking about this before. And I think that's actually a good thing, too. And I think it shows you I think it that's the that's the insight into the game he's playing right now. That's the real insight, because it's always about this stuff. It's always about the pipelines and, the, and, and selling huge weapons contracts and gas and oil contracts. It's always about that, dude. What do you always say? I always say it. Show me the money. And that's, Show me the money! And that's where it is right now. And for me, you know, economics and capitalism and all that, you know, when it's done above board and, and being honest, I, I'm down for that. And when you have this investigation ongoing right now, and you kind of do things that, I don't know, play against the investigation, if that makes any sense. Like, you know, some of the things that have been said and actions. And it's just like, you know, if I was personally under investigation, uh, I wouldn't go and talk with the co- place or country that I was under investigation I know, about. But then he would be politically boxed in. He'd essentially be a lame duck because well, of not necessarily. Uh, what There's, is potentially there, I mean, a politically be, motivated investigation. But I think there, like he would be missing an opportunity here. Well, but there's plenty of other things to do. It, it's not like everything hinges on this one thing, right? And it's one of those situations where where you can also, you're also your own worst enemy, where you keep talking about it, you keep feeding into that media machine, it's going to keep going and keep spinning. And I don't know if that's intentional or not intentional, but it's like, well, you don't have to uh, keep it going. There's plenty of things that are happening both here and abroad that could be taken care of and and taken, uh, not necessarily advantage of, but you know, to, to help the better good for our country. Well, this is just one of the exhausting defining qualities of the Trump administration <laughs> is this chaos yeah. theory management style that is constantly looping in the media on the next. Hype but is cycle. that good for us? Is that good for the country? This constant polarization, this constant. I mean, even in our own chat room, you know, we, we have very passionate chatters on, yeah. on both sides of the coin. Is yeah, that, and it, on top of that, it seems to be spreading into other forms of discourse. So, yeah. like technical communities are yeah. getting much more aggressive. Like it is, it is affecting other aspects of online discourse. This polarization, it doesn't really seem to be happening uh, here in real life. I'll give you, you know, real life example of I've spent damn near almost a month and a half, two months in Texas in totality in the last couple of months. You like Texas? Yeah, I've, been, <laughs> I've been down here a lot. Um, thankfully, uh, Linux Academy has paid for my stay, and uh, Hadia and Angela have made it possible for me to travel, and that's been really, I've been really fortunate. But uh, I, I have not once in that entire time even gotten a hint of any individual either out and on the street or here at Linux Academy of anyone's politics. I haven't seen like any like uh, Trump hats. Um, I, I I have not in real life. Now, what city? This polarized situation doesn't exist. I, I've been spending time in Austin, Dallas and so, Fort Worth. So isn't Austin more... Yeah, liberal. Yeah, yeah, it's more liberal uh, yeah. part of the the conservative area of Texas. I mean, right? I saw yeah. naked people on bikes. Yeah. I saw you know all kinds of crazy <laughs> Boy, that's stuff. Seattle. But I no, never sorry. had anybody's. I never had any kind of inflammatory, hostile, hyper aggressive, tribalized argument or even just in my face politics like I see on Twitter. I load up Twitter these days, and I sometimes just I just give up for the day because it's just. It's random, uninformed, extreme political opinion after you see this with people tweeting you all the time. People wouldn't shout that. Like if people like say you looked like Devin Nunes, you might have a couple of hecklers, you know, but you you wouldn't have this issue until just recently. Now it's just started to bubble over into real life. 
And now it's starting to, now you're starting to see it come into real life. Like the internet discourse is starting to impact real life and it's not happening all the, a lot, but it's happening more and more. And I, so I can't really see a silver lining on this. Sometimes when we get pushed to extremes, we swing the other way. Maybe you'll start seeing people talk about taking digital diets or, you know, social oh. media, canceling their social media accounts. You might start seeing more of that. You know, but I don't know. And, and I hope, you know, that our, our viewers and, and our listeners, you know, know that, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I believe we're all human. You know, we all have our, our thoughts and our insights and our beliefs and, and things that are going on. Obviously, we're on the outside looking in on this. And, you know, we have received some some pretty enlightening uh, emails uh, from our viewers and listeners who are on, are on inside tracks, if you will. And, you know, I don't want to talk and, and divulge them who they are, but it, it's one of those things where, at the end of the day, we're doing the best that we can, and, and hopefully, you know, we don't go to World War III. I don't want a war. I don't think anybody does. We all want to live uh, well, and you know, and happy, and get along with each other, and 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 hopefully, at some point, we'll be able to kind of breathe a bit again. But I feel like Amen, there's, Amen, brother. Yeah. In the exactly. meantime, uh, people be good and uh, just hang out. In, if if the internet's starting to bug you, uh, go outside. Yeah, no, it sounds like a really cliche thing to say, but it it's actually true. works unless yeah. it's 107 degrees out. No. Hey, what do you say we wrap up with the Russia stuff? We have some miscellaneous clips that people can find in the supporter sync if they're if they want more. But I'm kind of done talking about Russia for the week. Well, but I'd like to talk about our patrons. Yeah, absolutely. Over at patreon.com slash unfilter is a place to go. But by the way, uh, we also have to head to the sack. Oh, hey, let me give a shout out to yeah. five new patrons this week. Xerox, Shane, Shagadility, Michael, and Xylite. You guys are our new patrons this week. Thank you. Oh, thank you, you guys. And by the way, we hit an incredible plateau this week. Uh, as of Uh-oh. today, we hit 600 patrons. Uh, so, so, which is incredible. It's the highest number we've... Oh, whoa! Wow. That's right. 600 patrons. Thanks to all of you guys who support us from two all the way up to Club 33. And that's where I'm going to talk to you right now, Club 33. It's time for the would or wouldn't be sack edition. And first, <laughs> Dirty writes and says, Hey, Chase, I'm a new supporter and longtime listener. I spent almost a decade in the military, psychological operations, a.k.a. the propaganda machine. <laughs> and now, wow. yeah, and now I work in law enforcement. I just want to say thank you for being the voice of reason for so many years in my car stereo. And last but certainly not least, Michael C. writes and says, Hey, gentlemen, the funding for the, quote, National Guideline Clearinghouse just dried up and no one seems to notice. As a man with a wife Mm. fighting breast cancer and a mother fighting liver cancer, the Mm. medical industrial complex is a frustration I deal with on a nearly daily basis. It seems to be... The one area, our corrupt system mm-hmm. that Unfiltered pays little attention to. I would love some Chase and Chris insight once in a while. Just some feedback from a longtime listener. I still love the program. Keep up the great work, guys. Now, first off, Michael, I fully agree with you. And Chris can definitely chat on the topic of medical and health care, uh, especially going back to the beginnings of the Affordable Care Act. Uh, f- on my personal perspective, it is it is awful. Uh, the, 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 just the, you know, no one wants to fix it. Everybody wants to keep the phar- pharmaceutical and the medical companies in, in back pockets. And it's just, yep. it's wrong. 
It's so I hate, wrong. I hate to be Bernie Sanders too, but uh, no, I don't. Um, <laughs> I, I also it creeps me out that these things are for-profit institutions to begin with. Yeah, that's just a creepy thing if you think about it. Uh, of course, I'm seven months now with no health insurance because I I just own my my own business and yeah. Just financially, it just didn't work out because of the cost of it. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of freaked me out a few times this year. I, I won't lie. And, uh, of course, my fiance is a diabetic and um, she's also in the same situation. She owns her own business and she's taken on new employees. And to be able to afford to pay them, she's dropped her health insurance. And as a diabetic, that's a very, very risky Dangerous. thing. So she's, yeah. So what she's been doing is seeing uh, some, some folks in Canada. Um, and uh, it's just because it's... She can buy insulin in Canada for thirty bucks, sixty bucks, something like that, depending on the amount she wants. I, yeah, uh, and that same that same amount might be eight hundred dollars in the states. Well, I, I will say this, you know, same but, exact thing. You know, so as far as talking about it more on the show, Michael, you know, obviously we're we're driven on what's currently happening, right? And so, yeah, unfortunately, you know, yeah, or fortunately, yeah. depending on who you want to talk to, it's been about Russia and it's been about what the president's been doing. But that being said. When Unfortunately, there are... it'll probably happen when one of us ends up in a hospital, you know, and that's yeah. when all of a sudden will come on the show. Because the reality is, yeah. otherwise, we're, we're really kind of trying to appeal to the broadest amount while still getting in the stuff that we think that really matters. And so right. it's a really tight, it's a tight, tight, tight line what we what we do and don't include. And that's why, like, just for this week alone and just about every week, you know, I'm playing off a bunch of clips on the live stream that just didn't fit anywhere, don't fit in the overtime. I'm just playing them off on the live stream. Yeah. And I try to play, I try to post that for public consumption on our Patreon, but uh, not. it doesn't always get captured by YouTube because right. there's just so much stuff. And that's not even everything. So it's, it is really tricky picking what goes in the show. And I really am sorry to hear about your situation, man. Yeah. That's same, a, same here, man. No, it's, it's definitely a broken system. It, it totally bites. But, when those things do come to the forefront and we see it on the news, we'll, we'll probably definitely pick up on it because at that at that point, it's on our radar. Uh, hey, remember, you guys can definitely support our show over at patreon.com slash unfilter. Club 33, you guys rock. We're actually, right now, Chris, completely booked, but you can get on the waiting list for Club 33. But hey, it doesn't matter. You can support us as little as $2 or more per month over at patreon.com slash unfilter. Thanks so much, you guys, for supporting us. Hello, everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, Chase? Mommy needs a joint. Yeah. Mommy definitely needs a joint. And uh, she's been down in Texas for a while. Now, the thing is, is there is a lot going on up in Canada when it comes to mommy and her joints. And the the problem is that sometimes mommy's got to cross the border and then mommy can't get back in the country. Every day, around 400,000 Canadians cross the border into the United States. But some of those Canadians who have connections to the cannabis industry are running into problems. They're being denied entry. Tanya Fletcher has the story today. Starting in April, I'm starting to see one or two cases a week. This U.S. immigration lawyer is based in Blaine, Washington. These days, he's dealing with a whole new crop of clients, business travelers. So these are professionals from Canada who either work for a company that does business with the U.S. cannabis industry or themselves individually, they're coming down to do business. He's seeing many with even loose associations to marijuana now being turned away at the border. You know, selling a, a machine, a legal machine from Canada to a U.S. customer, um, owning property in the United States that has a, a tenant who's in the cannabis industry. So it's a very far stretch, but they're making that connection and denying Canadians. Wow. He says there's been a lot of confusion because, yes, even though pot has already been legalized over there in Washington state and soon to be on this side here in Canada as well within a few months, the border between the two countries is still federal jurisdiction. By the way, she is technically in the United States right now. 
Um, so that's a, that's an just <laughs> interesting how deep uh, their search goes and yes. vetting. It really does demonstrate the breadth, if you will, of their vetting process. Yes. So the the thing is, is Democrats might be seeing Russians uh, going after guns. Uh, I don't know if that's the new meme. Is that the there's a gun activist Russian that's in the miscellaneous folder, uh, and that uh, that they're going to be pushing on uh, sensitive political topics. But the one thing that the Democrats say the Russians haven't ruined yet is pot. New York State's Department of Health is backing the legalization of recreational marijuana. In a 74-page report, the department said the positive effects outweigh the negatives. It now goes to Governor Andrew Cuomo for review and likely rejection. But recently, the Democrat, who is seeking re-election in November, signaled he is more open to legalizing marijuana. Cuomo has long been wary of efforts to legalize, calling marijuana a gateway drug. As recently as last year. But now that he's seen the financial incomes and positives that marijuana can bring to a state and county, he's decided. Oh, I'm just making that part up. Sorry. So last week we played (laughs) Chuck Schumer. Yeah. Uh, Now you got another incumbent. Don't forget uh, Boner. Don't forget Boner. Yeah. Yeah. And Boner, too. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, is that uh, that gateway drug thing is so easily destroyed these days. Yeah. You know, because people can just throw out, well, what about opioids? What about alcohol? You know, they'll just start throwing out stuff so fast that that thing just shatters. So that's like the last hold position. That's like the last logical fallacy. And then once you let that go, it's like, okay, let's make money. Right. Um, And speaking of making money, there's a major alcohol maker who is uh, in in the business of growing things, thinking about getting into pat. Big news tonight and a huge win for cannabis coming at you exclusively on Canadalia. The legal (laughs) marijuana market has been booming in states where recreational use is allowed. It continues to grow in the U.S. in 2016. It generated over $7 billion in economic activity. But for a long time, one powerful industry has been very strongly opposed. But now those days could be over. And here with me tonight with a big announcement. He is a Texan, an avid hunter, and a wine connoisseur. He's the interim CEO of Wine and Spirits Wholesalers. Dawson Hobbs is here. So, Dawson, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dawson. Freedom, freedom everywhere for all involved. What is your big announcement tonight? We're making an announcement that the Wine and Spirits Wholesalers of America are going to be encouraging Congress to give states the right to legalize cannabis so long as they enact appropriate regulations based on the alcohol model. Okay, so what does this mean? Is this a sign money. that alcohol money. manufacturers, distillers, and brewers, are yeah. they going to get into the cannabis business? No. What we're talking about is just... We want them to pay us money. No. <laughs> I think they got a really good thing going here. So they don't have yeah. to get into selling pot directly. They can get into the store business. They can get into setting up... Like, imagine... One day, if you could tour in a way like you tour a winery, yeah, you, know, you might not get to walk around the plants, but you, you could maybe see them behind glass. I mean, it could get really fancy here one day. There's in Seattle, there's a couple of experimental, super high end uh, Microsoft hot, you know, billionaire backed uh, pot shops that are like luxury brand. Like your pot comes in a wood box and it's been like uh, stamped with like their their custom stamp and they have different pedigrees and it's like the super fancy experience. So that way, if you know, you have a family member who's a millionaire and you want to give them the first best pot experience of their life, you get them the super swanky gift set from the super swanky pot shop and there's, they're experimenting with different models. Uh, so you could see something, you know, you could see something from the wine companies or even the cigarette companies, Philip Morris one day, they supposedly own a bunch of land in California. They could convert that into growing. I mean, you could see big business snap into this in, in, 
in a couple of years. Absolutely. Once this settles. Uh, all right. Well, one last high note. This is a great one. A prankster hides marijuana in some city planters. <laughs> New this morning, a prankster growing marijuana plants in city-owned flower pots. This is in Wyoming. You can see the marijuana plants right there <laughs> growing among the marigolds and the zinnias. Pretty big, too. Oh, that's Employees brilliant. weeding and watering the flowers first noticed a plot plant. Uh, this was last month. They then called police. Officers uh, have since found two other plants growing. They say this isn't the first time that this has happened, but the marijuana plants went undetected, so they grew larger this time around. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> Just takes one narc, dude. Just takes one narc, and then your good thing gets ruined, you know? Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> It's well, just like it's right under their the notice, board. literally, yes. Yeah, go ahead, you Chris. Yeah. excellent job, and yeah, uh, I think this might be my last show from Texas for what? a while. Really? Yeah, I think I'm flying home this weekend, and so I think I'll be back in the studio, so you and I can be back in the studio together next weekend, so that should be good. Yeah, man. So, hey, if people want to just follow your adventure down there and, and want to <laughs> know... Music. You like this? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty if good. they want to know uh, what's going on with Chris, so where, where okay. can people go? Yeah. Well, you could go to at Chris LAS. That's my personal tweeter. I also have like uh, Insta Chris Lass on the Instagram. Never really mentioned that before. And then uh, there is, of course, the network at Jupiter Signal. What about you, buddy? Hey, people can follow me over on Twitter. I'm the real newness on Twitter at N U N E S. Also, by the way, follow at Geek Gamer TV, by the way. Doing a lot of stuff with pinball. Got some big pinball things coming up down the road. Uh, I really would appreciate the follow on either place. So uh, thanks so much, you guys. It's It's been an interesting week because people are still hating on Devin. So I, I get a lot of that heat. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Nice. I'm glad. Yeah, man. <laughs> kind of in a way. <laughs> yes. So, no, you guys, thank you so much for, you know, for supporting the show and, and being there, you know, to all our patrons at patreon.com slash unfiltered. You know, this morning, a prank. Oh, wrong clip. Uh, <laughs> I, was gonna, I was trying to play just the right playout music. Uh, but man, Chris, it'll be nice to have you back in the saddle next week. That's for sure, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, too. And we will see you guys again next week. week.